your radio station, the South Shores 95.9 WATD. Welcome back to Almost Famous 95.9 WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from here on the South Shore into Boston and across New England. Brought to you each and every Tuesday by Tiny and Sons Glass. My name is John Shea, and let's call this the pre-tiny stage. We're going to try something a little bit different tonight. We've got some guests in studio um, that we're going to introduce you to in a matter of moments. But uh, first, I want to introduce you to uh, one of our members of the WATD news team, Amy Leonard. How you doing? Hi, good, John. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, we have some representatives from an organization called Calling All Crows. How are you guys doing? Doing well, thanks. Doing well. So um, introduce yourselves before we begin. Uh, my name is Brian Costa. I uh, am a music therapist uh, for a living, but I've been volunteering for Calling All Crows since the beginning, about uh, a little over 11 years now. And my name is Kim Warnick. I'm the executive director here at Calling All Crows and have been working with the organization full-time for a little over a year, but uh, really got in its orbit back in 2010. Excellent. Uh, so, Kim, I'll start with you and tell us a little bit about what Calling All Crows is all about. So, Calling All Crows was founded, as Brian said, a little over 11 years ago, back in 2008, by musician Chadwick Stokes of State Radio and Dispatch and his partner, Sybil Gallagher, who was a tour manager at the time and now runs uh, an interior design company. But the two of them just have such deep roots in the music industry and a lot of what we do is work with musicians to engage their fans in social issues so we really specifically focus on issues affecting women which is broad because women are half the population Uh, but we're we're thinking about how do we take this power of the live music industry and one of the rare times that we actually come together in person over something positive as opposed to like a rally where we're all pissed off and actually take that energy and channel it towards something positive through things like service projects, through activism events, and through sort of creating new awareness of local organizations and issues. That's fantastic. Amy, anything to add to that? Well, I did want to ask about, because it it seems like you guys have a multi-prong approach. You guys say, if you're a fan, this is what you can do to get involved. If you're a music venue, this is what you can do. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we do have lots of different ways for folks to plug in. So a lot of our partnerships are directly with musicians. So we're working with an artist who says, hey, here's an issue that I really care about and want to better understand how to use my platform and my voice on that. And so we'll work with an artist and their managers to say to craft a campaign to engage their fans on. And so that will look like service projects before concerts. It might look like doing setting up a table and, and actually having you know an opportunity for fans at the show to learn about something and maybe take action, sign a petition, learn how to contact their representatives, and, and maybe do something like a benefit show or f- raise some money to support organizations who are doing good work. So that's a way an artist can get involved. Uh, and then from the fan perspective, they're the ones actually turning out to these events and putting the manpower uh, behind all of the calls to action that musicians are putting out there. And then as a venue or a festival, I think there are a couple ways that we work with them. So we have a campaign right now called Here for the Music, where we're working on preventing sexual violence right at shows and festivals. So it's really the first time we're looking inward to the music industry to affect some change. And so we're doing a lot of trainings, policy reviews, uh, things like that with venues and festivals. So that's a great way for folks to get involved as well. I love it. I think that's great. Now, Kim, how would you um, how would you rate the status right now of of the Boston music scene when it comes to uh, safety wise? Oh, safety wise. I was like, oh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> safety <laughs> safety wise, uh, it varies, right? So, what one of the questions that we've been asking venues and festivals is, what is your protocol? Do you have a protocol when it comes to handling sexual assault or harassment that happens at your venue? And overwhelmingly, we're coming up short. We 
haven't heard yes on that very frequently. And so the plus of that is that we have been able to work with the Boston Music Scene. For example, you know, we just trained all of the staff at once, Ballroom in Somerville, helped them to create an updated policy for their for their staff handbook and for how they're dealing with this. So we have seen some responsiveness from the Boston Music Scene saying, hey, this is a gap but we want to address it. Uh, but it's been alarming. I think that's part of why we're doing this campaign is that for the most part, the industry hasn't taken this seriously. Uh, and so while they may have an actor sh- active shooter protocol, they don't have a sexual assault protocol. Now, I've seen um, rumors floating around on Facebook for the past several years as to uh, accusations and to um, different types of circumstances. And I know this is not really an easy question to, to answer in a short amount of time, but What's an example of what might be considered inappropriate behavior at a venue? Yeah, it's a great question. So one of the things I'll say is we do these trainings. They're called active bystander trainings. And a big part of the goal is giving people the skills to be able to identify this this type of behavior uh, in the moment to say, like, what is it that I'm actually looking for? And so a lot of what we're looking for, because I think sometimes people want like a list of behaviors that are okay, like this kind of dancing is okay and this kind is not. But the reality is that you need to be paying attention to how someone is responding to a behavior. And so if, you know, if someone is is in a really high position of power and they're flirting and being flirty with someone who isn't in a is in a much lower position of power, you're going to have to be more cautious of, of, of that and sort of be paying closer attention to how people in different positions are behaving. But it's also something that like, you know, if you want some like very specific things that you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be groping people. Uh, that like feels like a no brainer, but we see it all the time. It is like a constant at shows that people are being groped. People are being catcalled. Um, people are sort of saying no to an advance and then being yelled at for saying no or sort of being someone will continue to sort of try and pressure someone into taking a drink or dancing with them or saying like hey it's not a big deal it's just a drink even after they've been turned down interesting Amy, anything to uh, to add to that? Uh, It seems like uh, education is a big part of what you guys are doing yes Definitely. And have you, uh, you know, you said you were having people respond to you in the music scene. How about fans? Are they letting you know? Are they telling you of any um, experiences that they've had that you can kind of go off of? Yeah, so a couple things. So one is that we did um, a survey. So a thousand people responded to the survey. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we asked sort of, have you attended a concert or a festival in the last five years? Uh, and then from that segment of people who said yes, <laughs> um, sort of said, okay, what, what types of experiences have you had? Uh, and uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do know that for festivals, we had around a thousand incidences reported of some sort of assault or harassment. And so that could go from um, actual like rape, uh, drugging, stalking, to catcalling, unwanted photography, things like that. So a lot of reports, many of those people had multiple, so there were some people who had not experienced that. Um, and and so it's certainly happening. Uh, and the, I think the follow-up question that we asked, which was interesting, was sort of, did you tell anyone about this? Did, mm-hmm. it, did you tell anyone that that happened? And overwhelmingly, people said no. And if they did tell someone, they were just as likely to tell a friend as they were to tell security. So I think there's like a couple things going on there is that like, one, this absolutely is happening at shows and festivals. Two, 
they're not t- people are ha- having this and they're so used to it that they don't report it to anyone. And three, when they are reporting, they're more likely to just tell another fan than to tell security. So venues aren't necessarily hearing about it from from the fans, artists, sort of staff who are working. They're, that's not who they're hearing about it from. Wow. Now, when you're working with the venue, um, Kim, and you you approach them and you and it turns out they do have a low rating for having procedures for preventing sexual assault. What is their response typically? Well, the the nice thing, I guess, at this point is that we're mostly going for low-hanging fruit uh, so that it's, it's folks who say, yeah, we want to work on this. Um, what we haven't yet sort of had the capacity to do is really, really push on people who are saying, like, no, we absolutely don't want to touch this issue. Um, so we, we have had some people say, like, hey, yeah, no, that's we're, we're dealing with this fine, whatever. And we sort of move on to the, to the venues, to the festivals who say, we really care about this and we want to do better and we didn't know there were resources to do this or we didn't know it was as big of a problem as it was and so those are the folks that we've been talking to and helping them to craft a policy that actually makes sense and that they can implement um, to figure out how to train their their staff in an effective way uh, and really trying to do that sort of problem solving with venues who say yes. Fantastic. I want to remind you that you're listening to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD. We're being joined by Amy Leonard tonight from the WATD News Team, chatting with Kim and Brian from Calling All Crows. Um, Kim is the executive director and Brian, uh, one of the volunteers. Um, and I want to touch upon some of, the, some of the volunteer opportunities. I know you rely a lot on volunteerism. Um, Brian, how did you get involved with, with the organization and what made you want to volunteer? Well, uh, like most of the volunteers, I believe, um, especially in the infancy of the nonprofit, is that I was just a fan of Chad and Dis- Dis- uh, State Radio and Dispatch. Um, so just went to a show, um, and he was at the, playing at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge, and that was the, the first uh, annual Calling All Crows show. Um, and from there, that's when uh, just service opportunities started popping up. There was a lot of... Uh, service projects before uh, the shows that he would put on um, and then those kind of developed over time into bigger events like a um, alternative break tour um, where you go on tour with with one of Chad's bands for a couple of days in certain areas and do service projects during the day with the band and other fans and then at night you go to the show do some tabling and um, the next day next city Fantastic. And how long have you been uh, volunteering with them? Since day one. Um, uh, and I mean, great. I say that as if I'm like always at every single event and doing absolutely everything. Um, but I, I will say over the span of the 11-ish years um, that whenever someone needed something and I could go, I would certainly go and, and do whatever I, I can um, just to be a support. Fantastic, and I, and I want to. Rem- I forgot to mention this earlier. Brian's our tiny stage guest, so he's going to be playing live in our studio in just a little bit. So, thank you for joining us for, for this too. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. Amy, anything to add, to add to that? Yeah, Brian, I want to ask you about your experience when you are at these shows and you went on a tour and you're talking to people. What is the atmosphere like? What are you hearing? In general, or yeah, in general. Uh, in general, I mean, everyone's always excited, um, especially in the the younger years, um, uh, and just like. Uh, was it uh, Jocelyn for a, a front row spot? Um, it was uh, it was always good. There was always a, a positive vibe, especially the I mean the culture in general. Whenever Chad puts on a show, is um, everyone's there f- 
and not zero pun intended, but they're really out there for the music at his shows. Um, and over time, uh, volunteering for uh, Calling All Crows, you, there's such a huge community now, and I have some friends that it's just a big reunion anytime that we see each other. And um, it's like you stop going to the show for the music, you just go because you know you're going to see people you haven't seen in a really long time. Um, and it's, uh, it's really fun, really cool. Um, you, you got a great opportunity to meet a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. Um, and you're all there for uh, the same reason. You, you believe in what uh, whatever causes that we're, our, our initiatives are for that year. And um, it's, it's nice to be surrounded by people who have the resources to uh, address these issues. Um, I know for myself in particular, I was uh, telling Kim this earlier that um, I think that was the biggest thing about Calling on Crows is that you, you know, Chad, most of his writing is uh, raising awareness of social issues and there's, there are ones that you never hear about on the news and he, he writes his songs about it so that's an, one way to learn about him and then it's the well what do we do about that mm-hmm. and so so now you, you're in this and you have all these resources for people of um, how to address it and, and what steps to take um, moving forward um, if it's a cause that you're really passionate about that's awesome it sounds very positive all around for sure now, Kim, I know the the offices are based um, in Boston um, for the most part, um, but if somebody wants to get involved, um, do they have to live within the city or can they basically be from anywhere? Yes, you can be from anywhere to a certain extent. I will be honest that most of our programming happens in major music markets. So if you are in like rural Virginia, there may not be a ton of opportunity uh, right now uh, that we, because we're so based in the music community, so much of our events happen around, like I said, where, where tours are going through. Uh, but we, we've actually just launched volunteer leadership programs in Boston, uh, New Hampshire, Chicago, D.C., and Denver. So those are going to, we're starting our sort of major organizing in those five markets. Uh, but we still do programming along tours that we're a part of, as well as at festivals. So we'll be uh, at summer camp, at Bonnaroo, um, at some others. So if, you're, if you'll be in attendance, you know, traveling to any of these festivals, you'll see us there. Excellent. And what's the website, Kim? Callingallcrows.org. Uh, some people ask about the, the name of this organization because everyone thinks it's Counting All Crows, and it's not. Uh, we are calling the crows. Uh, and it is, it is a song. So our founder, Chadwick Stokes, wrote a song called Calling All Crows, and it's really about movement building and sort of if you feel called to action, how do you sort of how do you get up? How do you join a movement? How do you bring others along with you in that journey and sort of channel this energy into action? All right. Well, we are running out of time. We've got uh, Kim and Brian from Calling All Crows in studio tonight. Any final words before we wrap this up? Um, I think uh, we've got some opportunities coming up in the summer. Chad yes, is going please. on tour with um, with his, uh, his band, The Pintos, um, and those dates. He's going to be on the Cape in... Um, and even right here in Marshfield. Um, so Sunday, July 28th, we'll be on Nantucket, uh, the 29th in Falmouth, uh, the 30th in Wellfleet, and then uh, the Thursday, August 1st, um, he'll be in Rhode Island. But then um, the Friday, August 2nd, and August 3rd, um, he'll be in Marshfield at the uh, Levitate Backyard. But I actually think that's sold out, but um, we may do an event beforehand of those shows if people want to get involved. Fantastic, right down the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, and I think the the piece I would add is really just to to think about the next time that you're at a show or your festival to really look around uh, and to sort of be mindful of the fact that even though it is a really fun event, there is harm happening there and that you can be part of making concerts and festivals safer and, and really look out for each other, that we are really calling on music fans along with venues and festivals to say like, hey, we care about this being a safe space for us to have a lot of fun and come together and so look out for each other and it's not enough to just like not harass other people but you can actually take it one step further and and make sure your friends aren't harassing people uh, and make sure that sort of the people that are around you feel safe uh, and like that they can be at that show without worry. Excellent and Amy anything you want to add? No, I just want to say how awesome this cause is. I really enjoyed learning about this. I think it's such a huge, important piece of it that people can go out and have a good time and not worry about any sort of danger. Excellent. Well, Kim Warnick, Brian Costa, thank you both for joining us tonight and uh, get home safely. We'll talk to you soon. And Brian's up on the tiny stage in a little bit. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Thanks, John.